0: A little annoying, but that's neither here nor there. We should probably, uh, yeah, get this thing actually going and like run the intro thing. So let me do that real quick, and we'll go. So, hey, everyone, happy Friday to you. Uh, welcome back to the digital cash rundown. I'm joined for the first time in a little while, uh, by my friend and the one and only. Lorenzo Rey, how's it going, man?
1: Hey, Joel, nice to see you, man. Nice to be here again. I
0: think the last
1: time I was here was like a year ago or something. So It cool
0: was something like that. I think it was like August yeah. or something. Maybe September, October. I think it was November,
1: June, June, probably. But...
0: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, anyway, something before like we that. get into the things, everyone always remember to uh, like and subscribe and stuff. And then if you want to join live Super Chat, cointr.ee <laughs> slash the desert links. And there you go. All right, so because we're sort of talking about the the El Salvador type thing in the pre I guess the pre show chat or whatever you want to call it, um, it might be might make sense to go into the um the lightning subject first. Uh I just saw some cool. I saw some uh article and honestly I think it's kind of like there's not not really a news story out of the news article that kind of grasped at some like Reddit users <coughs> and just were like, Oh, it's a news story. It's not really a news story, but like nothing really happened, but it's an interesting subject about Binance and Coinbase are silent on Bitcoin lightning and the community community tries to understand why the Lightning network implementation may be against business plans of some crypto exchanges or simply not a priority for others. Several community members suggested. So, um, robin hood apparently announced a lightning integration and saying with BitPay and kraken but binance coinbase and ftx have all just not really said anything about yeah. implementing it or not and so people have been speculating about mm-hmm. you know why and stuff so what's your general opinion on on that like why do you think well, that it's been intentional or what do you think
1: well, that's a good question because, and I want to uh, probably talk a little more broadly yeah. about Lightning before tackling this specific subject with yeah. binders and Coinbase because I've changed my mind about Lightning over the years. And I think you, uh, actually, you uh, have been one of the people who have uh, have helped mm-hmm. me change my mind about Lightning because you went you know down the rabbit hole, setting up the notes mm-hmm. and talking about it. And so your opinion was was, was something that be good because back in the day, you know, block size worse, mm-hmm. whatever, it was fully anti Lightning. Uh, yeah. But as years went by and I saw some of the improvements to the protocol and some of the new things, so I went to the rabbit hole myself, uh, uh, you know, in terms of how the HTLC contracts work and all the improvements that are going on there, Taproot root or whatever, uh, the things that it enables, it, it's it's changed my mind. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of the people in the industry have had that uh, moment go as well. So I was uh, I was at the Miami conference, you know, last mm-hmm. week. I was... Talking to a bunch of companies that I, people that I knew before, and they're now telling me, "Hey, we're now implementing lightning. We're going to launch it really soon." You know, people who are doing uh, tech companies, you know, integrations, software, APIs, that kind of stuff. Now, with binance and Coinbase specifically, or and even FTX, uh, why are they not doing the same thing? So either they are actually doing it, but they have like their own team inside working on their own implementation. They just haven't said anything about it. Or yeah. it might uh, actually interfere with some of their business. I, I don't know about this, really. Like, I'm not sure. But I do know that at least Binance is promoting Binance Pay really strongly. Like, as mm-hmm. a centralized payment solution. I even seen back in Venezuela, there are people... I mean, those guys are doing their homework. Like, there are small shops in, like, the countryside in Venezuela. And they have... Binance logos and they take a bunch of crypto uh, using Binance Pay, and so uh, maybe for them Lightning is something that I don't know somewhat uh, competes with their own centralized solution maybe
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, I'm not really sure but what I do know is that a lot of companies and a lot of people that I know in the industry who were uh, not really into Lightning are now uh, actually developing their own Lightning implementations and certainly here in El Salvador I mean, I use Lightning every single day. So Mm -hmm. um, I I really think that uh, if you're doing Bitcoin payments, you have to jump into Lightning. So uh, yeah, maybe something to do with their business model or maybe just lag. You know, a lot of people, at least in Coinbase, I think they also, uh, you know, were not happy back in 2017 with the war, et cetera. And a lot of us who, who were kind of on that aisle more more skeptical about lightning so maybe some of their higher management just didn't look at it up until recently so i don't know i guess that's my general opinion on it
0: yeah so this is kind of a funny thing um i first off yeah i you know whatever whatever they Whatever exchanges tend to implement, it's always in their their best financial interest, of course. And there's clearly something that's kind of blocking that. The thing about Lightning is it's been, I think, getting exchanges to accept Lightning to a certain extent is maybe, I think it's kind of almost politicized. Because it depends on why does an exchange need to accept Lightning? First off, you can get a Bitcoin transaction through for like $0.10 these days. Yeah. So you don't really need to do that for light. And it's like for your coffee, okay, maybe. But like when you're sending to an exchange, do you really need lightning? And it's it's mostly like you can do all your trading on. The, we're talking about centralized exchanges here. You can do all your trading on centralized exchanges and then you can withdraw whenever you're ready. And it's like, well, withdraw directly to lightning might be a convenience if you want to go take it right to a spending wallet and start doing that but if you want to do do it to a hardware which is i think one thing was kind of funny though um here um this one guy here he just said i personally want to use the lightning network to transfer all my bitcoin trading to cold storage come on (laughs) that's that's my point it's like it's it's why i by being politicized people don't the hell they want to use it for they just everyone has to use lightning uh i understand when they were trying to get exchanges to batch transactions which I'm, I'm not a fan of that for like privacy things but whatever but because you're like oh you're using up too much block space okay whatever but like lightning would probably introduce more on-chain transactions to the exchange than it would reduce or it'd be like a net zero probably just because like there's not even like a reason for it. And unless you're saying like you're using your exchange to pay directly from the exchange, in which case, like, I kind of don't think that's a good idea at all, (laughs) you know? I think you should hold your own funds and not use it like it's a bank.
1: Absolutely right. So uh, that's a very good point. And some of these companies in these articles, for for example, Mm -hmm. for Coinbase, we're going FTX. Uh, I think that totally makes sense. And Bitcoin itself, uh, I mean has had some improvements in terms of like the new batch thirty two addresses, the ones that start with DC one, mm-hmm. like they really take a whole lot less space in the block. And so you as you say, you can pay 10 cents. If you use the legacy addresses that start with one, you might pay a dollar or two, which is still hugely expensive. But mm-hmm. with the batch thirty two addresses, you sometimes you pay five cents or ten cents. So they really yeah. don't need to. And in the case of Binance, I think Binance is big enough where I wouldn't consider them just an exchange. They have so many services and so they're many things. They're everything. And they're really trying to be, uh, which I'm not the, the, the biggest fan, just like you said, but a lot of people are using Binance like a bank and paying with it, mm-hmm. you know, the Binance Pay and everything. And so for them, uh, if they're trying to be a payment, you know, operator, uh, I do think that... Uh, If you're trying to be payments and you're using Bitcoin, you should definitely look into Lightning. But I don't know if they see that as a competitor to their own system. So maybe if I'm trying to just move Bitcoin into Binance to trade, I don't need Lightning. But if I am, I don't know, a grandmother and I don't want to hold my keys myself, and my nephew Mm -hmm. just told me, or my my grandson just taught me how to use this thing, but I don't want to deal with because that's that's the other thing. Like we're all on the side of holding your own thing, but mm-hmm. banks are not going to cease existing. You know, there are a lot of people who are not comfortable being responsible for their own thing. So mm-hmm. if you're a granny and you are uh, using this thing because it makes you feel safer and you forgetting mm-hmm. your own keys, uh, I mean, uh, I think you should implement lightning. So
0: yeah, it's also. Uh, we have to think about overhead. Like uh, whenever, if you're an exchange and you're running, you know, you're supporting a bunch of different assets, you have to, of course, integrate a new one. And Lightning is kind of a new asset. I mean, the base of it is Bitcoin, but it's a completely different structure, like technologically speaking, than just like, yeah. you don't just run a node. You can't. And so while it's first off, I mean, first off, the big thing other than just complexity of integration, which always sucks, is you need extra capital like around just in order to send and receive transactions because it, the channels have to be funded. And so yeah. if that's cost. That's money you could have else somewhere else or you wouldn't need to have. And so that's a big cost just to let people that's like true. do that little, little hobby. <laughs> but also when exchanges get attacked and hacked, it's always the hot wallet balance, right? And so they keep most of it in cold storage and keep like a hot wallet balance to process things. Lightning is all hot wallet. If you want to take yeah. Bitcoin off of Lightning, then you have to spend a lot of time and you have to spend fees and on-chain transactions and stuff. So it, it just seems like a massive nightmare for people to do. And just like just so people can withdraw straight to their Lightning rather than you can already withdraw straight to a Lightning channel of a wallet you, you have. Yeah. Definitely. It's so like direct lightning support is kind of like almost like a virtue signal amongst exchanges probably. And it's just like, Oh yeah, yeah. See, we got lightning too. And like, I I'd really wonder how many people actually, you know, kind of use it. And then of course, as you mentioned, there's the, a lot of exchanges have worked as off chain scaling solutions for Bitcoin. Basically they have worked Correct. as the scaling slash and payment rails. And now they're, you're trying to like introduce, You're trying to have them basically run their business model twice, you know, like just kind of have redundant, but very different architecture, just so you can say, oh yeah, lightning. So, I mean, I don't think honestly, lightning is going to get super wide adoption on exchanges, unless it becomes just such a ubiquitous way that people pay to where people aren't even using on-chain Bitcoin and even store their, their Bitcoin anymore. If it becomes that way, then I think exchanges will have to jump on. But in the meantime, I don't think it's going to be widely adopted.
1: Absolutely, and and I think two things can be true at once. I think it's definitely true that uh, if you're an exchange, you just come up with, "Hey, we uh, now have lightning integrations." Definitely Mm -hmm. a virtual signal thing. Like it can give you a marketing push, whatever you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where in reality, if you are an exchange, you don't really need to support it because. As you said, if you are a Lightning user, the fact that your exchange does not support Lightning does not mean that Mm -hmm. you're incompatible. You can always withdraw from the exchange to your Lightning channel and and increase the balance of of your thing. So it's not like an incompatibility. You can always do that. So it's true that it can be that. But also, I think it's also a bet. Because, mm-hmm. so right now, Lightning uh, is still developing You can you can use it for payments, but most wallets are still custodial or semi-custodial. And, you know, the user experience is not the best. But theoretically, Lightning could become something that it unlocks a bunch of new usability. And if some of these exchanges want to be more than an exchange, because we mm-hmm. agree, if, if you're just an exchange, you don't need it. If you're trying to be a crypto solutions, uh, you know, like Binance who's start to do a lot of things. You not having Lightning might set you back from competitors when you're trying to enable some new functionality in the future. You know, yeah. I, I mean, we don't even know what that could look like, but you can imagine things like Lightning enables you know streaming money, and so maybe some sort of subscription thing where people just pay per minute or pay per you know per small extremely small transaction things like that. Having theorized it might set you back. Now, the other thing is that uh, there are ways in which these exchanges could enable Lightning without they having to do all the development themselves. Mm -hmm. But just like with on-chain Bitcoin, a lot of, you know, even wallets out there and services uh, do not have their own nodes. Like they just use APIs from a third-party provider that does the on-chain transactions for them. That's how a lot of, you know, businesses work. Uh wow. so a lot of these people who are announcing lightning right now, I don't think most of them have a lightning team developing on the Lightning protocol. I think mm-hmm. they just plugged into whoever's the provider, you know, like well, Wallet of Satoshi or something. I, I believe I at the Exodus wallet enabled Lightning and I was, you know, happy to see that. But then I believe I might be wrong about this, but I believe they're using Wallet of Satoshi's APIs. I think they've said it themselves. Maybe I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, speaking nonsense right now, but I do recall reading on the wallet that they're using uh, a third party provider. And so, uh, yeah, I think it, if it's an overhead and you're just an exchange, you really don't need it. You just want a marketing push. You might do it for the lows. If you think you can get some use out of it and you have a third party provider, which allows you to just plug into some APIs and do it, then mm-hmm. that's cool. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I be. it's it's kind of funny how um i really like to compare the growth of l2 on bitcoin to l2 on ethereum because ethereum needs a lot more help you know bitcoin users like largely could just not use bitcoin you know they don't like to use yeah. it anyway and it's just like all right well, they'll mess around with this little thing here but it's only for, for occasional payments whereas ethereum people are always using it for a million different things and it's so expensive <laughs> and they kind of like need that more. And um, I, I'm also wondering like how are uh, decentralized exchanges going to handle Lightning? I don't think they'll be able to really. I mean, maybe I could be wrong, but like, it'll be very difficult and that's kind of the way the world is moving, which it kind of brings back to the, the Binance point because Binance, like, I think that Binance is probably one of the more savvy businesses in the entire space. And they figured out that the space is moving away from their business model. So they're just trying to like, you know, run like cheap knockoff of Ethereum or whatever else. Like they're migrating their centralized business into a decentralized network. And they're always going to kind of be in that that world. So, yeah, I don't know if like Lightning is going to kind of fit into those plans. But I mean, you think about it, like just have like a Binance-wrapped, you know, BNB token for Bitcoin just transact with that instead. I mean, I think that's kind of what they're trying to do. So it could be super high throughput, but all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, but they just, then they don't need to, it it, it just basically lightning, but not, you know, not as like cypherpunk righteous, you know, but much more efficient, you know, probably. That's probably Probably, the way it's going.
1: Yeah. I think for Binance, it might be a thing that it clashes with their own interests Um, theoretically speaking I do believe that you could have different tokens on Lightning and maybe some DEX can work in that way Uh, I'm not really sure about that I I think that was the case Uh, even though the space is mostly Bitcoin centric now uh, I do believe there was uh, I even think Strike had USDT on Lightning or something like that Uh, I don't remember but yeah for Binance I think it's probably clashing with their own centralized solution uh, for payments and uh, for the rest, I mean, I just think it's really cool tech. Like, uh, uh, I mean, as I said, uh, I was skeptical about it, but where it's where it is right now and where it could be in five years from now or 10 years from now, and a lot of the, the theoretical things that are possible there, uh, I, I'm really excited about what's gonna, what's gonna break. Maybe it'll, it'll allow decentralized exchanges, on it. I don't know. We, I think only time will tell. Maybe Ethereum could use it in some way. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm kind of waiting until it's extremely rare to ever have a failed payment. You know, we'll start with it with that. In in some ways, Lightning is like in 2010 2011 era Bitcoin stages. You know, in and so I mean, as far as I know, the the static payment address for light for lightning is not really well adopted yet what is it yeah that's one of the big
1: things that's one of the big things that uh was a compromise for lightning the fact that you Mm -hmm. don't really have an address but rather you just emit an invoice and then the Mm -hmm. invoice gets paid so that makes it so that you cannot send the amount you want to the person they just have to request it so that that was a bummer so mm-hmm. I believe there are two implementations. There might be more, but I think there's two that are, are somewhat adopted that allow you to have a... a, a I, I, I mean, they call it an address, but what it really is, it's a zero, uh, an invoice for like zero amount. And then mm-hmm. what you're paying, in, you define the amount. So it's like tricking the system into it behaving like it, like, like it is an actual address. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely green territory right now. I don't think, uh, I don't even think there's one standard that all lightning wallets can support. And so if you're trying to send the amount you want, and they have the different, you know, implementation, it'll not be compatible. So you just have to request a normal invoice. So yeah, it's definitely still a, a beta thing in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, that's something that's gotten annoying to me about trying to use Bitcoin over the last what is it, um, five years, I guess, right around like the SegWit time is the compatibility issues have become just annoying because before it was just, this is how you, yeah everyone can use it. And now it's like, well, do you support Segway? Because <laughs> if not, this SegWit address won't work and then this other address and then Bitcoin Cash had its own stuff. People were sending the wrong addresses and then they had their own weird little address formats and then BSV went back to like the original one and like, and then there's like, I mean, multi-sig was already annoying, but then, you know, getting like Schnorr implemented too, and just adding more. And then it's like, okay, we well, got to do lightning. And I don't know if I can pay you. Cause I don't know if I have a channel with enough liquidity to, to route over there. I'm already figuring that stuff out. And then we get it all figured out, but then your protocol doesn't support the one in my wallet. And then it just like, Ooh, like I think yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to be standardized and, um, I think that, honestly, I think that if Bitcoin Bitcoin moved forward in a much more uniform way, that would be better. Like, no, like completely get rid of legacy addresses. Like, only everything is just one. Schnorr is the only type, for example, and just like put it through there, and then Lightning is like a uniform protocol now. Like everything has this and works like that, and like, but that's kind of like not the <laughs> not the way. Bitcoin's yeah. technology advances, BTC at least. It's very like yeah. bolt on, you know, I put this <clears throat> thing on, I put that thing on. Yeah, that's definitely one
1: of the things that, you know, uh, not, not having some way to, to fully mm-hmm. implement something that applies to everybody uh, mm-hmm. has its drawbacks. And the, the address thing is definitely annoying because, uh, I mean, I use Bitcoin every day, lightning, on-chain, and crypto in general every day. And I I definitely experienced this annoying thing where I'm using a wallet that's still not adopting the Bet32 addresses, which saved me a lot in fees. And it'll just Mm -hmm. tell me, hey, we don't support this wallet. Uh, uh, The address formatting correct. Address formatting correct. What the fuck, dude? Why are Mm -hmm. you not using Bet32? Like, this is much more efficient. I'm saving Mm -hmm. 90% of the fees with this address. And you want me to use a legacy one? Which you can do, like there are, the batch 32 address is just a different format for the same address in Legacy. So you, I have this tool where I can just switch back, you know, take a batch 32 address and it'll spit back the the Legacy one and then mm-hmm. the payment will still get through. Yeah, I'll just pay a higher fee. But it's just annoying, you know, I and mean, with Lightning, it's the same. Like uh, I mean, for me, most of the time I'm paying with Lightning, I know the amount that I'm paying. I'm just paying for, for, for I don't know, some yeah. meat, some butter, you know, some cheese, whatever. So, it's not a problem. I, I I don't really experience too much uh, this thing where people just give me a QR and I have to type the amount myself. Mm-hmm. So I do not experience this in my normal life. But on the technical side, or the work side, I've, I I dealt with it, and it's really annoying. Uh, so I hope Lightning can you know eventually have one standard that everywhere is compatible with. But on Bitcoin, you always have this thing where you need backwards compatibility and things like that. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of annoying. But it's interesting that at least the other thing doesn't happen. Like it would be annoying if this new wallet is migrated to the VEG32 addresses and then they deprecated the old legacy ones. And now I cannot send money back to the... That doesn't happen. So I, I can always send money to legacy addresses. Mm-hmm. I just cannot send money from legacy wallets to new wallets because they're mm-hmm. not updating it. So... It's really annoying, and, I mean,
0: uh, I don't really know what
1: the full answer is. It's just something that, I me mean, as a tech savvy person, I, it's not really a problem for me, but I can see how it can be a problem for a lot of people, so.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, it's just, like, like optimizing code so it runs faster. It's funny because... Um, developers understand that to a certain point, even if they, some of them are really bad at it, you know, at least they understand (laughs) if you optimize the code, the whole thing runs like more simply, but you got to optimize the, the human code as well. You have to optimize like every single, like like the statistical chance that people will just not use it (laughs) goes up astronomically, every extra thing they have to do, including where their eyes have to go. Like, I have to look to here, to yeah. there. Every second, they have to think before, like every bit. And then they just might like throw the phone away and not use it at all. And it just like, it pains me when I'm like, oh, it just doesn't like just work. I got to be like, you
1: know, yeah, yeah. All these that, things. That's really annoying. Now, may- maybe one day there'll be this new standard that's compatible with everything. And there'll just be one QR unified for everything. And it'll just intelligently mm-hmm. send via Lightning or Unchained, depending on where, how the fees are. I don't know. Maybe it's just day training, but I think a future like that could be cool. And mm-hmm. I and I, I think it's funny that, as you said, a lot of Bitcoiners are like, "I'm never spending my thing." I'm fully against that. You know, Bitcoin is made, and crypto in general is made to be spent. Like you know, and of these people, uh, I've been able to meet a lot of uh, people this past year uh, who mm-hmm. do not have a lot of experience in Latin America, and it, it's funny to see how. Uh, payments for them are not really a priority. And I'm like, the mm-hmm. payments are like the number one or two priority in this thing. Mm-hmm. Like you need to pay with this stuff. Yeah. You, you, haven't, you haven't been censored. You haven't been, you know, blocked from things. You haven't been like mm-hmm. crossing a border, you know, with your money in your head and then able to spend it on the other side. Like, you need to spend this thing. So, I, but, but I'm happy to see that this mentality, I, I do think it's changing thanks to Lightning. Mm-hmm. like, like, uh, a lot of people who I saw like two three years ago say, like, you should never spend Bitcoin. We should make Bitcoin blocks smaller, Th- mm-hmm. 300 kilobytes per block. Now, now they're, uh, and they're it's changing. sad that it's more for political reasons, but at least they're changing their mind. They're saying, yeah, it's cool to spend Bitcoin. And I like that.
0: Yeah, it is very telling to see how quickly that kind of changed. Um, I mean, that's, that's like a three hour long conversation on maximalism, yeah. I'm sure, um, <laughs> yeah. but I'll take it wherever, you know, wherever you can get it. Um, I have, I don't know if you know Brian Harrington, but um, he's some like local, like some like Bitcoin activist guy and he's like a lightning and Bitcoin maximalist kind of person, but he and I get along quite well. Cause we have the same kind of goal of, you know, getting out, getting out of fiat and like using real stuff. So. Well, oh no, yeah, that, that's, the,
1: that's the, that's the main, that's the main point. Like, like uh, moving away from the fiat system. Like mm-hmm. we might have disagreements about, you know, which system, which technology, but we're all together in mm-hmm. the same boat or just trying to, you know, move away from this thing. Now I do think that there's uh, I just, before we move on uh, to another mm-hmm. subject, uh, I see an, uh, an interesting parallel right now with the hyperinflation that's going on with the dollar. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Back in Venezuela, I remember 10 years ago, you know, uh, from 15 years ago to 10 years ago, like from 2007, 2007 to 2012, uh, the Bolivar was already on its way to collapse. Uh, the full financial system hadn't fully collapsed yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so there were a lot of opportunities for you to take loans in oh, Bolivarist yeah. and you just convert everything to dollar and then you just pay the the rates, you know, the monthly mm-hmm. payments on your Bolivarist, and every single month you'll be paying less money. And so uh Yeah. I mean you could you could, you know buy some house or something like that and at the end of the day you your monthly payments due to inflation were so low like the interest could be 50 percent or 100 you didn't even care like the Mm -hmm. inflation was so high that you was just have everything in dollars and then you just pay your monthly fees and at the end it's just like free money or something like that you're taking advantage of a collapsing system And I've seen a little bit of that now with Bitcoin and dollar, you know, so I've I've had conversations recently where it's like, Hey, right now it feels like 2007, you know, I take a loan in in dollars and then you just pay the monthly things. Like, why would I spend the full Bitcoin for the house where I can just, you know, have a fiat loan and then just pay with Bitcoin. And so uh, obviously we're trying to move away from fiat, but I do remember this being a very good thing to do personally in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. So, why wouldn't you do that with the current fiat system just to, you know, have... A, How
0: did that like end, by the mind? way? Like, were all these loans honored? So let's just say you take out a mortgage on a house and you're it's in fiat and the mortgage rate... Like, let's just say today, right? The mortgage rate's like, it's gone up a little bit. But like, let's say last year, you get like a 4.5% interest rate or something or 5% or something. And then reported inflation is over... Eight percent, and I'm sure real inflation is higher than that. And yeah, so over like long 15
1: or 20 for sure.
0: yeah, over a long period of time, you're getting the thing practically for free. It's like not that bad. But yeah. what happens when? It, it that's not just like you don't just exploit the system. There's someone on the other end of the the, the system. There's the bank in this case, and the bank is losing money. Now the thing is. Like what happened like what happened in Venezuela when people are doing that? Did the banks just end up collapsing? or did they end up like not honoring the agreements and demanding payment upfront or like changing the rates? Did, like how did how did that end up happening when people were doing things like this and taking advantage of the system? This
1: is a great question because uh, you could do this because you had some certainty. Mm-hmm. You were certain that they could not change their rates or they were not yeah. going to change them. Like, I, I don't really know why they mm-hmm. couldn't. I just know that they couldn't. And maybe it was an overhead guess. in terms of, I don't know if it was a law. I think this is a great question. Mm-hmm. I, I will research this because the business, and let's be honest, I mean, it's a, uh, we have this thing in Spanish. I don't know how to say this in English, but it's called la papa caliente, like the mm-hmm. hot potato. Yeah. Where it's like, you're just trying to throw it to somebody else, and so mm-hmm. eventually someone's gonna get it burned, but it's not gonna be you. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're already playing that game. Like, some people are gonna get the short end of the stick. Like, if you're buying Bitcoin, if you're buying crypto, someone is selling it to you. Someone is getting mm-hmm. the short end of the stick. So it's it's not like we, we, we're trading uh, one way or another, you're trying to maximize, you know, the opportunity for you to. Mm-hmm. be efficient with your money and a lot of people on the other side they're just trying to cash in some profits to buy some stupid thing and they're gonna get short on the stick so Mm -hmm. definitely when you were doing this in venezuela these banks were just printing money like crazy and those people who still had their savings in believers they were getting the short end of the stick Mm -hmm. now the question there now is, should I not do this because somebody else is getting the short end of the stick or should they also be doing this until the government is the only one that gets fucked with their fake money that they're printing? I already know really know what their answer lies. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you wanna get fully, fully, like if you wanna get into this uh, high ground where you say, I don't want anybody to get the short end of the stick due to my actions then you shouldn't be buying bitcoin because if you're buying bitcoin you're doing that you know, you're giving yeah. fiat to some to somebody you know in exchange for a better money so are, are, am i scamming somebody by buying bitcoin from them i don't feel like that's the case so
0: <laughs> yeah not really also people if it's a voluntary like if i was for example selling someone an asset like if i was selling someone dogecoin at like the top of the bubble um I would be very careful to on a personal ethical level to let to just make sure that they're not, you know, they're not hoping this is going to keep going up by a lot or that they know that they're gambling. If they do, for example, there's just always that ethical thing. Um, Anyone who I try to sell like anyone, I I would try to For I don't buy crypto. Right. But if I did buy crypto, um, anyone I try to buy it from, I would, you know, I would be like all right well you want dollars i guess good luck with that like i would you know <laughs> understand i wouldn't be like i would try to like sell them on like oh you really want my dollars like uh and there's a possibility that they could want the dollars because they could do something with it that they can't do with the crypto and you know maybe they use it to buy more crypto in a you know, in a different, in a better rate than they're they're already selling it to me for or something. Who knows? But that is a good point about, like, the banks. The banks will always be solvent because when they're insolvent, they get a bailout, you know? And the bailout comes from printed exact money. Like, at the end the of the
1: day, the, the banks are not the ones that are getting fucked. Uh, it's other people who are getting fucked at the end due to inflation. And mm-hmm. that's why we as, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. crypto people and Bitcoin people, we're always telling people, hey, move away from fiat, move away from fiat, get rid of your fiat, don't save money in fiat. Um, but I cannot look at a Bitcoiner who's getting a mortgage on their house in dollars. Like, at an individual level, I cannot tell them, dude, don't do this. Like, mm-hmm. they, they're telling me, why would I sell, I don't know, 10 Bitcoin right now, where I could just get a loan and end up spending, I don't know, three of Bitcoin on a mm-hmm. five year, seven year thing. Like, how do you tell somebody not to do that when they have the opportunity to do it? I, I
0: don't know. Yeah. I am skeptical. I am always like wary to tell people to get into debt because, or to encourage that in, at all, it, much less today than other days, like when inflation was like reportedly <coughs> like three, 4% or something like that. Then it's like, OK, but what happens if you get like an 8% interest rate and then you buy a bunch of crypto and it just doesn't go up in time? Like, for example, what happens if Bitcoin hit, let's just say, last bear market, last bull market, it hits $20,000 $20, and people put laser eyes and then they go like, oh, I'm going to take out a big loan and buy all the Bitcoin. And then they just oh, get completely yet. screwed over the next few years. <clears throat> yeah. And they don't have the money, they don't have the money just lasted out until it goes back higher than it was before. They get screwed. And I was I was going to say hit 69,000 and Michael Saylor scammed them and stuff or whatever. But <laughs> the thing is, the thing about right now is grossly irresponsible behavior like that is not as irresponsible as it used to be. Like the fiat system is like, I'm staking some stable coins for like, twenty percent APY or whatever. And I'm I'm just looking at that like, am I breaking even? I think I'm making money. Am I making <laughs> money? Just because yeah. of how far You might not be breaking, breaking you. even, you know. And that's the funny thing.
1: Like, I would never encourage somebody to mm-hmm. go into debt like that. Uh that is something that's mm-hmm. incredibly risky. But if someone has made their own mind and they are taking the risk and they're knowledgeable knowledgeable about what they're they're doing and the risk they're taking, mm-hmm. I kind of ethically tell them hey you should move away from the field system you shouldn't do this and the fact that in venezuela people used mm-hmm. to do this back in the day the more they knew that the bolivar was fucked the more confident they were that mm-hmm. this was going to pay, pay off because in the beginning people didn't want to do it. it people have the same mentality you know inflation uh i mean was still insane but in Latin America, for decades, people have been used to living with 30%, 20%, 40% inflation mm-hmm. yearly. And for us, that was like normal. Like for me, when I was a kid, moving from third grade to fourth grade, I would expect prices to double from one year to the other. And that was still normal life, which is insane to think. But uh, but then when things got out of control, you already knew this thing is going downhill bad. Like it, it's... I'm 100% certain that this loan is free money. Like I'm gonna be end up paying way less than even this high interest that they're asking me for. And mm-hmm. the more I see what the Federal Reserve is doing, the money printing and the inflation, I mean, I see the same path. I don't. Obviously, they're not at the same point in the path, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think the fiat system can can save itself. It really. I, I really see the whole thing collapse. Like I can see, like I, I can see the path so clearly. I'm so convinced that it's going to fully collapse eventually. That mm. it's just like, dude, just take to do what you can and and then watch it collapse. Uh, and uh, hopefully, most people can, you know, move away from it and save in Bitcoin and other cryptos uh, before it happens. Because I already saw that happening once in Venezuela, and it was very sad that a lot of people. Like, Can you imagine? Let's say you were a business person in Venezuela. You were really nationalistic. You only had believers in your bank account whatever. whatever. Uh, I mean, there's nobody uh, who had a lot of money today, but let's just imagine that. If you had the equivalent of a million dollars 10 years ago in a Bolivarist bank account, you would have less than one cent today. Mm-hmm. But that's really the government stepping in and taking your full million dollars from your bank account. They just stole the whole thing. Yeah, all of so, it. So all of it, they just stole it. So, yeah, it's sad and I don't think the dollar or any other fiat system can not go any different way. They're just going to keep printing it and they're going to get fucked.
0: Yeah. Now, one thing I do wonder is what happens if um they what happens if they print um what happens if they do like do you remember when I don't know how much do you remember the the peso crisis in Mexico where then they like reissued the new pesos and they they cut off like three zeros and stuff. Like they did all the, the, like what if they do that, but then that applies to the loan? Like, let's just say you owe a hundred thousand dollars and then that turns out to be nothing, but then they chop off three of the zeros. So 10,000 of the new dollars is a hundred thousand, the old one, but now you owe a hundred thousand of the new one. Like I wonder if they could do Uh something like that.
1: That's a great point because in Venezuela they've done
0: that several times.
1: Oh, like all okay. re- oh, my original... bad
0: ideas actually yeah. happened. It's terrible. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like no, no, no. But not like the loans. The the, yeah. the monetary conversion. And when they yes. do that, it would be blast. It would be bullshit for them to keep your. I mean, the, the way this works is that you have the old, the old, uh,
2: mm-hmm. coin,
1: whatever you know, the old currency, and then you introduce a new currency, but even the ticker, it's a little different. Like It mm-hmm. used to be V-E-S and now it, and V-E-F and then it's like V-E-S again. Like People understand that it's not the same yeah. thing. So you, if I owe you a thousand believers, I should now owe you one believer. I'm conscious mm-hmm. of that. You cannot charge me well, a thousand of the new thing. That would be the hugest. Like If that were to happen, I think people would actually go to the streets and you know, start a civil war or something like that, because that, that will be increasing your debt by like a thousand or like 10,000%. Like this doesn't make any sense. But I mean, that is useful for them just to, for the government, I mean, for them to, well, there's two things. One that is true, which is makes day-to-day commerce easier. Like in Venezuela, they've done that like four times already. Like the original Bolivar mm-hmm. right now, One of the current believers, I think, is like two trillion of the original ones. So if something right now costs, I don't know, a thousand believers, it's really a quadrillion believers Mm. from the original ones. So uh, it's obviously easier to say, hey, you owe me a thousand things than a quadrillion. But also that allows them to say that, you know, inflation is not so high. $1 is only 4.5 and not forty five hundred or forty five thousand but at the end of the day uh i think people know what what it is so if they were to do what you said like they're really we increasing the your debt. yeah i see I, I i don't see that i think people would actually go to the streets and kill for that if they were to do that i don't know
0: yeah it could be i mean it could be crazy so and also i think you, you point out a good thing that about the the later years of the dying system We're not, it's not dead yet. It's just getting there. And so it's just like, I also feel like this is, I mean, it's more like, I guess it's more of like a political comment than a crypto comment, but still, I also feel like the people in charge of most governments, but especially the US government right now, that over the last few years, the switch has changed from like regular corruption to now they're starting to feel like Let's like rob the ship before it sinks, kind of thing. Like the amount of like dumb things that they're doing, they are no way in the interest, the best interest of the people. But it's like before they could like pretend. Now it's just like they're robbing it on their way out. Like they know they're on their way out. They're just robbing it, you know, exploiting people on the, you know, yeah. And it's like, well, if they're doing that, we might as well exploit the banks. But like if you know what I mean. But that's a good thing about yeah. like, DeFi and stuff too, is you get to let's just say like so for example ThorChain is coming out with relatively soon, I guess, I don't know when, uh ThorFi a a um a loan system where you could get a collateralized zero percent interest loan. And basically, you know, you put instead of let's just say you have one Bitcoin and you you know, whatever that's worth at forty grand, you want to sell it to buy a decent car, like a nice car. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how nice how, how nice people consider a forty grand car, but it's like that's a lot nicer than what I spend. It's a pretty decent it's not, car. I think a 40, that's 40, that's 40 a lot thousand. more than I spend. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, it's like kind of like a third of that. But anyway, uh, let's just say you want like a, a good car, right? And then instead of selling your Bitcoin, and then or spending your bitcoin on the car. You just take out a collateralized loan on there, buy the car, and then you just you still have your bitcoin. You just have to pay it back or I believe some early <clears throat> permutations of the system or some early thing I have to pin them down on this because I remember hearing Chad say something about the loan would pay itself off because by having access to your capital, they can earn it by pro- they can earn money on it by providing liquidity and stuff like that. And then they just, they give you, they take a piece of that, right, for the interest or for the loan, I guess. But then it just pays itself off automatically by just staying in their possession until eventually you just get get Bitcoin back. And it's like... You could get negative interest rates that way, even. Like, if they like, had yeah. a good
1: business model where they can take advantage of that, they could yeah. literally give you a negative interest and you just, you know...
0: Yeah, but it's, it's also just the fact that, like, you get the you can get the fiat loan and then, you know, you don't have to part with your Bitcoin because it just it stays there and it's going up in value, whereas the fiat goes down in value. So, that's kind exactly. of a an interesting thing. But on that subject about like, let's hit the regulation topic. So, uh, Bitstamp asks users to update the source of their crypto, citing regulatory compliance. Bitstamp now requires users to provide information like their nationality, their place of birth, and tax residency. Which you know, I guess that's relatively standard KYC stuff. In addition to documents proving the origin of the crypto, they have like where the hell did you get this? It's like none of your business, and their annual income. So that's pretty insane. Um, first off, like it's you don't have to do that when opening up fiat bank accounts, do you? Really, you just have to, you know, provide your ID and your tax number and all that other stuff, and then that's you, it from my understanding you know, it's not something i'm familiar with in the modern age but it's you know you can you don't have to pr- like i don't think you have to to prove where you got your money to start a bank account unless it's like a significant portion of money to where you know, it's like i think it's like a huge amounts but now for like everything with crypto it's like wow and this kind of um and this kind of wraps up into the same thing of uh the coin center thing where the SEC is trying to, the US Securities and Exchange Commission uh, is basically trying to update what they would consider as an exchange. Uh, That would include a a means of communication and not just an exchange. Basically, they would change the meaning of an exchange from a system that brings together orders, meaning buyers and sellers, like buy and sell orders, to uh, the system that brings together buyers and sellers, And the definition could then start to encompass developers of open source software, because, you know, you build a decentralized exchange or something and then now you have to register. Um, So there's a big, I wouldn't say it's a crackdown yet because they're not really, they're kind of going slow on this and they're not really like shutting a billion things down yet, but it's, it's heading in that direction. So, it's funny because as all this is happening, as the crypto bank, I think it's being a crypto bank, as like a like I don't call it Coinbase and stuff like an exchange, I just call them a crypto bank. Because, it's a crypto bank. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. So the business of being a crypto bank, I think, is becoming like worse and worse. Of a like, like I would divest if I was an investor in companies, I would divest from crypto banks right now because they're getting. Squeeze really hard at the yeah. same time as I think the DeFi space is exploding
1: I, I really think they're fucked like all this uh you know uh crypto banks in the us in the west mm-hmm. i really think they're, they're they're gonna get fucked like the regulation is gonna come in and it's mm-hmm. gonna swoop them away because and these regulators it's funny like one of the ways i think this whole thing is gonna collapse in the West is because we're talking about a technology that's outside the realm of what you guys are used to. You're trying mm-hmm. to catch up with regulation that doesn't really apply to this. It's like, for example, one what, what of the things that is really funny, and, and all these companies have to comply because if not, they're going to mm-hmm. get shut down. And so they end up doing all this bullshit that's not even useful, not even for like the, if you want to, you know, Mm-hmm. say that they're, they're all the best intentions and security and whatever. Like, for example, blacklisting addresses. This whole thing about, you know, this address is blacklisted because it was used by terrorists or whatever. Like the terrorists can just hit their wallet and create a new address in a second. Mm-hmm. They, they can create a million new addresses in a second. And now they're all not blacklisted. But they're regular. They're for, for compliance and to say that they're compliant, all these people are implementing this, you know, KYT things to supposedly, uh, you know, have your thing safe and bring you alarms. When in reality, the people who know what they're doing, if they want to do bad stuff, they'll just create new addresses and be done with it. And so the same thing happens when you have a smart contract in Ethereum that nobody owns and it is providing a financial service and it's holding money itself and there's nobody controlling it. How do you regulate that? So what, yeah. what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to go after the, the programmer who coded it, who's not even responsible or, li- or liable? He doesn't own the money. He cannot take the money out of the contract. Is he yeah. now liable? Are you going to apply all this crap to him? It's just and, bullshit.
0: And what makes it money? Like how it just look, the only thing that makes it money in the government side, I guess, is now people are starting to like derive value from it. But like, it's kind of hilarious these days. I, I saw some, um, some meme. Um, there's been a million permutation of like some crypto accountant like helping them kind of do it, and then they're like, "All right, so, so what I did is I got all this like, I had like three thousand percent APY from staking my cum rocket, and then I flipped that into like an NFT of a of a chimpanzee. that then this, and then like oh, all this... like stuff that doesn't make any sense to anyone and it's like how much yeah. do i own capital gains you can't do that it's oh, like oh man you know
1: the, the whole capital gains thing is also bullshit and i, I mean i don't live mm-hmm. in the us or whatever but my understanding and i would like if you would confirm this is that if you actually spend bitcoin and you buy something with it you have to pay capital gains for it when you're just mm-hmm. spending it rather than selling it is that the case
0: yes supposedly
1: Supposedly. Yes. Come on. So that's so much bullshit. Like who's going to actually have their accountant or the tax attorney, whatever, Mm -hmm. go through that and, you know, count the capital gains on every single purchase you've made on all your different crypto and all the different merchants. Like these people are just, it's a new era. It's new technology. They don't know what they're doing. And, they and I don't want to get into a political conversation, but a lot of these people, what mm-hmm. they're doing is just doing something just to tell to their constituents that they're doing something. Like with COVID, we yeah. don't know what we're doing, but we're doing something. We're doing and, something. So
0: and not in their official constituents, their unofficial constituents, like the bankers yeah, and stuff. Correct. You know, just to say, like, oh, we're cracking down, we're making them comply, all this kind of stuff, but. Um, that's why I really hope they get a de minimis uh, exemption put in where you wouldn't have to do capital gains on, let's say, transactions of like under $1,000. So like every time you buy, you can buy all the coffee you want or whatever. It's just that when you start buying a new car or something like that, then you'd have to do it. Even then, it just like the the thing is there shouldn't be like capital gains is kind of like it's fiat capital losses really is what it is. It's just like what if you're and that's one thing, like I've seen the, the crypto markets go sh- sh- like up and stuff like that. What I like to do is I like to see like a ten year crypto chart, like say a Bitcoin price chart. I like to see that ten year chart adjusted for inflation where it's inflation adjusted terms. So it, it looks astronomical now, but like how much purchasing power has Bitcoin really gained? It has, but is that's it, it really is astronomical? Like, I would it's like this- the S and P. Yeah, it's
1: like the S P that's going up and up and up. But when you adjust it for like what many consider real inflation, because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, the the current thing uh, they use in the U.S. is it's also bullshit. It's not seven percent. Like yeah. if you adjust it for like real real inflation, the S and is actually like flat or like going mm-hmm. up one percent a year or something like that. It's pretty flat. So, I mean, it's a good uh, you know value preserving vehicle but it's mm-hmm. not actually appreciating in terms of purchasing power. Like you're not gaining too much purchasing power. You're just protecting your existing purchasing power to some degree. And I think uh, Bitcoin and crypto is eventually heading that route. I, I don't see you know, an infinite spiral of uh, growth forever. Eventually, it's just going to hold its value. It's going to go up in terms of fiat, but in reality, fiat... And it's the same about what happened in Venezuela. Everybody knew... That the dollar was not going up, is the believer mm-hmm. that was going down. Like, yeah. uh, but, but, but it took some time. Like, it was the truth from the beginning, but a lot of people were, you know, uh, saying, "Oh my God, the dollar's going up. The dollar goes up so much." No, no, it's, the dollar's not going up. It's the believer that's crashing down to, to try to, to, you know, to the ground. ground. It's like so your the same thing is happening.
0: It's like it's skydiving sad. and someone's going, oh, wow, he's going so high. It's like, no, he's, he's going to fall. No, table, dude. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. That's funny. That was a good one. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, let's hit on this Robinhood thing. So um, basically the Robin Hood CEO, um, Vladimir Tenev, took to Twitter on Thursday afternoon to explain how Dogecoin could become the feature currency of the Internet. And a thread of 12 posts with nearly 200,000 followers that have outlined what steps need to be taken to transform the meme coin into usable asset for everyday payments and transactions on the internet. Um, what's your hot take on this thing real quick?
1: I uh, think it's really funny. Uh, actually uh, I mean this made me chuckle because um, I really like Dogecoin as a meme. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's funny to see that Dogecoin has uh, a lot of properties that make it close to like fiat crypto, you know, like mm-hmm. infinite inflation and things like that. Uh, and so I think this guy, I mean, I don't know this guy really, I don't know his background, but if he's a CEO of Robinhood, I don't think he's a crypto guy really he's just a mm-hmm. traditional tech finance guy. And so he's just taking the current knowledge of the fiat system and saying, "Hey, this dogecoin thing kind of kind of could work like that, you know?" I had a discussion a couple of weeks back uh, with a friend and he was arguing against crypto. He was like, "Money needs to be inflationary. We some inflation is good." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" Like some people still think like that. And so some people think that Dogecoin is better because it has higher inflation. Because inflation encourages spending and spending is good for the economy and all this bullshit. So, I mean, I just think that this guy was doing a thought experiment, extrapolating the fiat knowledge and seeing how Dogecoin could, you know, mold into it. And obviously it's going to get views and stuff because Doge. I don't think there's anything more to it you know uh, i I just think it's funny I mean it's I think it's fun uh, thought thought experiment to to see how something could work but I, I don't see anything more on this what's your take on this
0: <laughs> well <Wow>. so <laughs> it's kind of funny it kind of makes you see do you know what remember people were saying talking about like the mass formation psychosis kind of thing um, which that's a, a little hyperbolic to talk about this situation but Dogecoin, like, everyone in crypto kind of knew that Doge sort of worked and was fine, but it was, like, just a copy of Bitcoin that, like, was fun because of the dog. And then it was on its way out. Like, no one was going to use it. Elon starts messing around, like, because he's just trolling all the time, right? And then yeah. the price goes crazy. And then as soon as the price goes crazy, a bunch of companies, like, start adding it. Like, oh, we're going to add Dogecoin. We're going to yeah. add, like... And it's just a clearly a, a naked attempt at like capitalizing on bu- free publicity it's like literally all it is but then they start believing their own crap kind of right they they're just yeah. like oh like like oh but it's so good and then elon musk gets into a because he just likes to, to argue with people and like you know shit posts and stuff he he gets into he starts breaking down why dogecoin is a good form of payment by breaking down like real things like he's he's not lying he's saying real things yeah but he's just he's choosing dogecoin as his platform and that's just like I, I, okay i fine you're just you're trolling the maxis and stuff that's fine but then you have people like, like this motherfucker here who he should know better like he's not elon but now he's like no no actually it would be a good form of payment like he's starting to buy the yeah. own bullshit well like does like Robinhood accepts dogecoin like robin hood was where the this the game stonks whole episode happen, and then right. now, dogecoin and all that is like the next wave of that's a crypto version of that and now he's like well but i actually could be a really good like Is in can i pump my pump the thing more can i get more customers on it's so shameless but i i think to a certain extent a lot of people because they heard like there it's like follow the leader kind of thing because they heard elon talk about it now they're starting to actually be like you know what this could have legs. This could be like a good payments coin and stuff. <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah. oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely. And I, I don't know if this guy, as I said, I don't know his background. So mm-hmm. he, it might be true that he's just, you know, getting free publicity so that his company makes more money. But that's not the vibe that I got from his tweets. I think he was just doing an innocent thought experiment, taking, you know, a centralized meme shitcoin. coin and just, you know, taking the characteristics that are uh, theoretically good for payments and doing the thing. So, but in any case, I I, I do agree that this all comes from Elon uh, just mm-hmm. trolling people and then people taking it seriously, you know. In one way or another, like, he's either that guy or he's just shamelessly trying to get customers and people to give you more money by using doge on platform
0: mm-hmm. but that's not the line
1: that i got from the tweets but it's just fun funny to see
0: yeah it, it's that's one thing i think is interesting about the way elon seems to act is he um he likes to push he likes to push the to push at the barriers of his reality like the world is this way And he says, "I wonder if I can make it a little bigger. I wonder what stuff that wasn't possible can I make possible." And so, when you see this whole this whole Doge thing, like he's clearly like he did something that worked in a way. Like he didn't intend. I don't think he intended to pump Doge in the beginning. He just was having fun, and then it pumped, and now he's just thinking like, "How much more can I just push this?" without putting like real capital and things like that into it with just just by messing around. How far can I push like yeah. the space to go in a completely <clears throat> illogical direction just because of this? And so he's kind of doing that and it's kinda of working and I think that companies like Robinhood are going to profit off of it. And I think that companies like BitPay are probably not, you know, like the yeah. payment processors they're probably just but they don't spend that much because it's not that difficult to integrate a basically yeah. a bitcoin clone type thing like doge and yeah it's fine
1: and i don't even know like i would like to know more about like the the whole mining of doge and like mm-hmm. the nodes and all that like who's controlling all that maybe this uh, do you know any any information about that? Like, uh, obviously we know it's centralized, but who who's who's controlling it? Like, who who's behind this thing? Like, do you More know like, anything about that, about
0: that? No, not specifically. I think the Dogecoin probably just has like a few community people that just like it that were doing it, and of course all the exchanges have to run infrastructure. And isn't Litecoin merge mined with Dogecoin or something? I think it is mm. or was. So because of that then it just kind of like plugs together. I don't know. It's I yeah, like if they, if they
1: wanted to increase the blocks to what this guy's saying here, like who makes mm-hmm. that call? Like who who forks it? Like who, who gets together and says let's fork dogecoin to have more throughput? Like I don't even know who that is.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's definitely not the Dogecoin founder. He's not involved anymore. Yeah. He's Although not he's involved be- anymore, yeah. He's become very much more popular on Twitter now. So that's very interesting. And there's one
1: thing. There's one thing. Uh, when I heard Elon talk about this, I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's obviously trolling, but he also spits some truths out there that, that make you think. And he was like, okay, let's say we go to Mars. What's going to be the money in Mars? Like, it takes light. I think it's like eight minutes. No, eight minutes is to the sun. It's like uh, to Mars, it's like uh, two minutes or something like that. I don't really remember the exact number mm-hmm. for light to get there. And so, if you want to use Bitcoin or something else, it, uh, how does that work? Will they mm-hmm. develop their own cryptocurrency there that only works there? And then we just settle with them, or are they going to use lightning on their own thing, and then we mm-hmm. settle on chain, waiting for the two or three minutes for light to get here, then the block, or, or how do you even sync a blockchain when you have that mm-hmm. time delay? Like yeah. how how do, how do you how do you deal with double spending when you know that the coins that you receive were spent, but they are two minutes, so they might have spent them. Like if I send you a transaction to Mars, mm-hmm. you know. And it takes two minutes for it, for it to get there. But then when it's a minute, I spend it here in, on Earth. And then you received it over there two minutes later. How do you do that?
0: Just How's increase the confirmations, duh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have a feeling so, that people will be not doing a lot of inter, interstellar commerce. Like, I yeah. think that like they'll have a note or like a, an office or someone on Earth to, to handle all their, their stuff like that. But that's probably how it'll how it'll turn out. It could be like a siloed ecosystem. Um, how familiar are you with the Terra Luna ecosystem?
1: I'm not too familiar with it. Uh, I talked a little bit with uh, an ex-developer that's doing some stuff over there. He's very excited about yeah. it. So uh, I'm, I'm not extremely familiar with it, but I am very aware of the UST thing and mm-hmm. how they're you know going hard on it and i think it's very very interesting to see um yeah they push the stable point thing because i think stable coins are definitely at least right now they're 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 good business for a lot of companies and, and they do provide utility mm-hmm. so
0: yeah well let me just hit this um headline of um there we go but, um Terra, the Terra blockchain developer Terraform Labs has gifted the Luna Foundation Guard 10 million Luna worth around 820 million. LFG is a nonprofit organization attached to the t- to Terra, tasked with collateralizing the network's algorithmic stablecoin Terra USD to keep it pegged to the U.S. dollar. And so it's basically from like one Terra institution to another to basically make the peg like more sturdy. The thing that really... So I didn't pay much attention to Terra till recently because just like, all right, whatever, I don't care. And then it's like, well, you know, maybe solving a stable coin by making a great al- algorithmic method of keeping the peg by burning Luna to Mint, UST, and then the other way around. And so it kind of like bal- ends up balancing out. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But then they started buying Bitcoin. I'm like, what? What's this? <laughs> and then now they're like they have like a bunch of stuff collateralizing the token it, it, so now it's like a bank almost you know yeah it it's it's that that got weird cuz i it, i thought it was like oh it's like a new technological innovation you can trust and now it's just like well yeah but we are also like there's also some like really rich fuck behind it with a bunch of money who's just guaranteeing the value like what like isn't that kind of the opposite of what it was but that's that's just like a a hot take on that kind of thing
1: Yeah, and and I didn't know anything about what you said at the beginning because it sounded a lot like uh, Mm -hmm. die, you know, Mm -hmm. which is very interesting because you're trying to maintain the peg by Mm -hmm. using the free market forces uh, and having your stakeholders be incentivized to buy and sell automatically to maintain the peg and they get rewarded for that. So that makes a lot of sense. And was Luna doing anything similar to that? Like, were they actually burning coins and stuff? And now yes. they moved away from that into just having a USDT clone where they just have reserves and backing the thing. Like, did they move away from it or they have, like, a hybrid model? How does that work?
0: Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think that technologically, it's, in a, it's a pure burn and mint model. It's a pure, like, automatic burn and mint model. But... If I were to guess, I think they have like extra safeguards to it to where like if the peg starts to crash, like then they can throw a bunch of external money to like manipulate the system back into working out, which, you know, it, it seems okay. It it doesn't inspire Mm -hmm. much confidence in the technology because it's like, you know, or maybe, or maybe it's all for show just to like keep the boomers like satisfied with it until the, until the technology can prove itself, but I don't know, it's it's kind of a kind of strange. There's a lot of like manipulation kind of stuff going on with that. And I I see the value in stable coins and who is it? Eric Voorhees even said he's most excited about this year. The thing in crypto he's most excited about are algorithmic decentralized stable coins. And I'm like, Okay, well I, I yeah, there's a lot of really cool innovation coming out of that sector. But how are you how is you most excited about something that's pegged to the crashing fiat currency that crypto has created in order to get out of? Like, that's not something I can be the most excited about. I don't want anything pegged to fiat if I can help <coughs> it. Yeah. I
1: mean, I, I do see the utility in it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, there's the foundational thing that we're all trying to get away from.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you of just move black to white immediately, you know, and I I fully understand. And this happened in Venezuela and I see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. A lot of people cannot afford to deal with short-term volatility. It's just Mm -hmm. the reality. Like some of us i have been able to, you know, live in a way where I I don't care if the whole crypto market goes down 50%. 70% 70% mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck like I, I don't see my I, exactly I, I don't feel my savings going down 70% because I'm not touching them mostly so mm-hmm. but for a lot of people who were on a day to day basis like imagine you're just a small uh, merchant you sell and buy pupusas and then you just got you know some money to buy the materials, and then next day you wake up, it's 20% down. You cannot buy the same amount. Like, that's a real pain. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, a person that I spoke to a lot about this was Masternode Deep Blue. I haven't spoken to him in like a couple of years. I don't know mm-hmm. where he is, but he uh, was a proponent of uh, stablecoin in Dash. Uh, but he was mm. saying that it shouldn't be uh, a dollar stable coin but a stable coin based on a you know get basket of mm. uh of generalized uh necessity items you know like milk and meat yeah. and rice and things like that and i thought it was very interesting he never caught caught any you know real hype on the forums or whatever although I think one of the things that Dash could have done better was do some sort of stable coin just because of the fact that it's short-term mm-hmm. utility. And yeah. I, when, I saw the, when I saw the DAI model, I, mm-hmm. I said, hey, Dash has a structure that could replicate that because mm-hmm. the master nodes are sort of like the uh, maker holders and then you could issue a stable coin and then they could automatically buy and sell just to, to keep the peg. And that will provide mm-hmm. the short-term utility for it to, to be used more massively. So I think the blue was one of the ones that was highly proponent of it. He didn't want a USD thing. He was saying mm-hmm. a basket of things. And I wonder, you know, how would that work? Like, who decides what the basket includes? But let's say if we were to decide what the basket should include, then it doesn't really matter, you know, if some of those items go up in price in dollars, then the stablecoin goes up. Dollar terms, you don't care. The purchasing power is still somewhat the same. So uh, I think that was very interesting. Now, in terms of Luna, as I said, I see a lot of hype right now on it. I do think stablecoins have a lot of utility. I think they focusing on that is definitely paying off. I think mm-hmm. a lot of projects could have moved into some stablecoin territory and, uh, you know, potentially do better because of it. And even though all of us don't like fiat, there's definitely short-term utility things that crypto in its bare form is currently not solving. So you have to provide solutions in some way. And so...
0: Well, that's the thing is stable coins are valuable, I guess, otherwise they wouldn't exist. However, I'm not going to be very interested in them until they find a non-fiat stable coin of some sort and like pegging a basket of goods is always very very difficult because you need price oracles for all that now what i would think would be nice would be like let's just say what if you took the value Problem is fiat is just crashing but like what if you took let's just say um the value of bitcoin and gold and silver and like a couple of other things that are like the prices like well-known is easy to well-traded and then um, just average those prices out. And so it just, whatever the average of those is kind of where it goes and that could be good. You know, it could be, yeah, you know, I mean, ultimately stable coins are not like the entire, the base currency of a country is supposed to be the stable coin. Right. And so it's kind of a crypto term also for, um, in my view, oh, permanence of like the idea of a stable coin or that it's called a stable coin, right? Even is kind of representative of crypto's failure or at least not success yet. Because if it succeeds, it should be stable and going up. You know, you shouldn't have to worry about that kind of stuff. If it's there yet, if it's not there yet, then we have a problem. In the min- in the meantime. And so the fiat stablecoin idea, I think, is, is going to be going away pretty soon. But it's just now that you can f- do that, people are going to want, like, these synthetic assets that are based on different pricing mechanisms so that they you, get, you don't just have to have your value in this one asset. You can have your value in other assets. And so that, I think, is going to be, like, for example, a crypto stablecoin. Like, imagine it's a crypto-only world and Bitcoin's like the most popular like store of value kind of thing, but then you got Litecoin, you got a bunch of other weird ones. And like, what if like the top, you like just mint a synthetic that is tied to the value, the average value of like your top 10 favorite assets or whatever. And so then whatever anything happens, you know, it just, there you go, that's what it's worth. And so that's kind of stuff I think is going to be used, used a lot in the future.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing there would be how do you, uh, who decides the mm-hmm. weights of each asset? You know, like when you're averaging, like are you taking every asset equally, or are you taking mm-hmm. each individual market cap and weight, weight, weighting, weighting them that way? Like who decides that? And so there's a lot of challenges there. Uh, I think ultimately, like looking far into the future. I do see a world where fiat doesn't exist, and we, and even with deflationary currencies like cryptocurrency with fixed, uh, Mm -hmm. fixed number of units being issued and the decay number of units being issued per block. Mm -hmm. I do see it making sense, and I've read a lot about this, uh, which is. And it ties back to the conversation that I had with a friend earlier that I mentioned. He was like, inflation is good because it incentivizes commerce or whatever. But if you think about it, mm-hmm. the fact that you are relying on a thing that's somewhat stable short-term, but is guaranteed to go down,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what you're doing is that you're incentivizing people to not save
2: mm-hmm.
1: And since they're, you're incentivizing people to not save, they're going to buy low-quality products because it's better yeah. to buy a low-quality thing than to save. And so mm-hmm. it's got everything backwards, whereas if it was the other way around, like let's say Bitcoin you know, gets to a point where it's somewhat stable and market cap is really high, there's not crazy swings anymore. But instead of the fiat system, which is guaranteed going down, this is guaranteed going up just in a somewhat more manageable, you know, slow yeah. trajectory. Now you are incentivized to save and you would only spend on something that you really need it, or something that's really good quality that you know it's gonna pay off what you spend it on. And so yeah, it would for that world to come about, it would imply a huge a huge collapse of the current entire financial system in the world and a lot of people going out of business <clears throat> but eventually i think it will be a better world in which people are the crap merchants things. exactly the crap merchants and the you know the, all the back mm-hmm. quality stuff like be in that world people will be incentivized to buy things that are actually valuable, to spend their money on things that they really need and i think it's very interesting to think about that
0: yeah that's the thing that people don't um That's why I think the economic incentives are such a valuable thing that people don't understand is when you have a short time window that you're incentivized to spend all your money. And for example, um, you're not prioritizing quality. Which, when you're prioritizing quality, you're prioritizing the efficient allocation of capital, meaning the the best the best stuff like getting more out of your your work and so if people were not disincentivized from saving then they would you know money would flow into better things that produce more things over time and everything kind of goes up it's kind of funny like you think about um um you think about businesses right businesses that have a an incentive for tax reasons to have no profit on the books because They don't want to pay taxes on any of that stuff. So they just put it back into the company some way like the Amazon strategy or whatever. And I'm sure like, you know, that's great to a certain extent, but like rather than doing that, if they had the choice, maybe they would, they're wasting money doing that. Maybe they would find more efficient ways of growing the company. Otherwise, if they just didn't have to do it, they could save a pot of money that then it's like, okay, now we have the resources to grow it. We get to pick and choose when the best season is like, for example, uh, if you, if a business didn't have to pay all those taxes, it didn't have to just wasn't incentivized to just get rid of profits, basically. Then if there's something like say COVID that happens, uh, like they could have savings to just sustain the business during that. And then not hire a bunch of staff, open a bunch of locations, all this stuff. And then it goes crashing down like in the meantime. So yeah, I think, uh, It's kind of funny how like, um, people see, people are afraid of a collapse, but like they're not like they're not looking forward to what's on the other side of that.
1: Correct. The collapse, it's gonna happen, and I know there's gonna be pain. There's gonna be people to who lose what, but but Mm -hmm. like people have the tools today to, uh, even if you're at the bottom you can start to protect yourself in many mm-hmm. ways, but the system itself, like the, the the problem right now is that you have to step out of the system. You have to recognize mm-hmm. that the system is fucked and then take the necessary decisions to protect yourself. Yeah. Now on the other side, after the collapse on an honest system, you don't even need, uh, special education for you to learn all these things just the the, the natural rules of the system guide better decisions like yeah, of course. why would i spend my valuable coins that are going to you know maintain or grow their value for your shitty oreos no i'm i'm yeah. going to buy things that i really need like obviously i'm going to buy water obviously i'm going to buy meat and, and whatever else is nutritious I'm not gonna mm-hmm. buy the bag of Doritos. Like I would rather save money than buy this crap thing. Like right now, it's like ah, I just I'd rather get the bag of Doritos. You know? This one is, is worthless. Whatever. The, the 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 funny feeling in my mouth of eating this crap soda is worth more than this Fiat thing that's gonna go to nothing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, th- this tablecloth things it has me you know torn apart because. I do see the real utility that it has short-term. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you that it also so, somewhat perpetuates the fiat thing. And all these people are making a lot of money out of this. Like, let, Let's be honest. Like, What's the business model here? Like, If you're USDT, what's the business model of you getting billions and billions of uh, quote-unquote real dollars and you issuing this synthetic thing? Like, you're mm-hmm. obviously using that money. Like, And, and they... Uh, I think they recently said that they proved somewhat that they have fully backed, but it's not backed in cash. It's backed in a lot of things like mm-hmm. equities and properties. Like Even if it's fully backed, you're mm-hmm. using those billions to buy properties, to buy real estate, to, to make money. So at the end of mm-hmm. the day, these are just traditional finance people making themselves rich out of providing a real utility a service which is useful in the short term, in the medium term, but that does not help us move past this shitty system into mm-hmm. a new honest system. So, and, and, and but that's why I say, even though that's true, I cannot sit here and uh, talk to a person who's finding real utility on this and tell them that they shouldn't be using it. You know, it's like, I don't really know what the answer is, but in Venezuela, a lot of people are using stable coins and a lot of the success of Binance in Venezuela has been due to USDT and and their own BUSD, whatever. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people that I know uh, over there, a lot of people are getting paid now in USDT and they're very happy Mm -hmm. because they couldn't have dollar bank accounts and whatever. And it's like, they, they all play with cryptos and, Bitcoin and other cryptos go up and down but they really prefer to have their things paid in, in, in USDT. So what do you do? I don't really you have the answer it. to that but you got to do it. yeah.
0: Well, just also um, I think that like the it's the um, the fiat system not yet collapsing. <laughs> that's, that's the real reason why people have because if you're starting to lose like it, it'll be interesting to see because what happens when you start to lose fifteen percent of your value every year, which is probably what was might be happening these days. What happens when yeah. it's twenty percent? What about thirty percent? At what point do people going not like who have crypto going to just be like, I'm not that into the stablecoin thing anymore, or at least not the fiat version <laughs> of stablecoin anymore. It'll be it'll be very Absolutely. um very interesting to see.
1: And that's gonna happen. Like the, that, that is yeah. the that is the breaking point. We're gonna get there. And, and as I said, similar to what I saw happening in Venezuela, you know, like at the end of the day, everybody wanted dollars. And now the dollar is the new believer, in Bitcoin mm-hmm. and Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies are the what used to be. I like to do this parallel in new Venezuela, and, you know, context. So a great
0: experience.
1: Yeah, uh, it's gonna happen. It's gonna collapse. People are gonna take advantage of what they can during the collapse. Are they going to make money? so people are going to lose money, but at the end, it's all going to come down, and hopefully, everybody saves their own ass and can come on the other end <clears throat> mm-hmm. with good savings to, to, to live in the new financial system. But,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, I definitely believe that. Well, uh this has been a great chat. Where could people find more about you and then your company and the cool stuff you're working on?
1: Absolutely. So it's uh, chill time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm always tweeting at, uh, at Lorenzo Ray C. Um, I even started a TikTok recently where I, I'm going to try to uh, make some videos of living the crypto life here in El Salvador because I think mm-hmm. it's really fun. I just put up a video about two weeks ago. Uh, it's also at Lorenzo Ray C on TikTok uh, where I pay my electricity bill or, or, or I think the municipal, municipal tax here with mm-hmm. Bitcoin uh, using BitRefill. So I will try to put some some videos there of living the Bitcoin life. Not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very busy with a lot of stuff, so it's, I don't promise a lot of content, but I will mm-hmm. try my best to do that. And uh, yeah, and my company is Alter.io. That's dot io, And I think very soon we could talk about a lot of the things that we're doing with the company here.
0: Yeah, well, fantastic. Well, thanks very much for being on. Everyone go follow him. He's always a good, insightful person who... I think he uses Twitter correctly, and then he, you know, tells people he, he gives actual like opinions and takes on things, and it's it's not just like me where sometimes I just shit post or just share my stuff <laughs> all the time. So he's very very entertaining. He talks a lot about Android phones and stuff too, which is interesting. because yeah. yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so but, hit him up there. Thanks everyone for watching. We'll see you guys next week, and yeah, uh, have a good one, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and donate to support the show by going to my Cointree page. That's cointr.ee slash the desert links and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show sponsors. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Buy absolutely anything with crypto with Shop and Bit. Avoid content censorship with Odyssey. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.